Uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Genesis 4 and verse 1, okay? Genesis 4, verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. Once again, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Everybody hear me okay? Everybody all right with the sound? Y'all cool? Ain't, ain't nobody mad, right? Y'all good? All right. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. He's the oldest one now. And said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. I have acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again, this time his brother Abel. And now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Very important to note. Abel was a keeper of animals, right? Livestock. But Cain, on the other hand, he was actually in the produce or the uh, ground business. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Would you read that with me? And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect uh, Cain and his offering. Uh-huh. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Cain, the Bible says, was very angry and his countenance fell. Uh, let me read that one more time. But I want to read it out of a more contemporary version called The Message. Listen very closely. Here's how it reads. Time passed. Cain brought an offering to God from the produce of the farm. Abel also brought an offering, but from the firstborn animals of his herd. Choice cuts of meat. Now, God liked Abel and his offering. Say that with me. God liked Abel and his offering. But he did not, watch this, but... Cain and his offering, he did not get his approval. Again, but Cain and his offering didn't get God's approval. Cain lost his temper and he went into a soak. Cain lost his temper, stay with me, and he went into a soak. I, 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 I've got a few moments today. Now, I, I will tell you up front, I've got a lot of scriptures for you. I've got a lot of scriptures for you, but that ought to be good news, not bad news. You don't want to be in a church where there's a lot of personal commentary and very little scripture. You don't want to be in a church where there's a lot of philosophy and a lot of maxims and a lot of great statements, but very little word, right? So I'm telling you in front, this is why I always encourage you, get the app, get the outline, get the message, simply because there's a lot of referencing to scripture. And the last thing you want to do is go home and be like, what was that scripture again? What was that scripture again? So today there's a lot of scripture to the message. I want to talk this morning, excellence in attitude, excellence in attitude, all right? Excellence in attitude. In fact, if I, if I find the time, I, I, I may use this subline, uh, beware of the dangers of the spirit of laziness, the spirit of lack, and the spirit of apathy. Let me say that again. Beware of the danger of laziness, lack, and apathy, right? One more time. Laziness, lack, and apathy. These things we're going to deal with in a few moments, but I think the most important understanding today is that you understand that there is an excellence that God requires from each and every one of us, all right? There is an attitude of excellence, all right? Let's, 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 let's work together today. I need you to really focus in just to, for the next few moments. It's going to take us some time to really calibrate and to adjust to this new environment, and uh, you can help me by, by, by hearing the Word of God. Um, 
the attitude of excellence. I just want to see a show of hands. How many of you all work what we call corporate America? You work in some type of corporation or company? Just a show of hands. Show of hands, okay? Some type of company, all right? All right. You can put, how many of y'all work, uh, you're an entrepreneur, you work for, you have your own business? Just show of hands, all right? I'm not going to ask for no money. Just, just go ahead. Ask, just, yeah, just, it's all right. All right. Um, how many of y'all, anybody work in media? Anybody work in media? Anybody work in sports? Anybody work in entertainment? Okay. What, anybody work in school systems? School system. Okay. Good. What about um, nonprofit? Anybody work in the nonprofit industry? Okay. All right. Anybody retired and you don't work, you just retired? Cool. Perfect. Great. 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 Okay. Now, these next 20 minutes, okay, listen to me closely. These next 20 minutes can determine your ultimate level of production on the job. And, and, and I don't want you to think that this message is just for Sunday mornings or for church world, but this message can be something that can be applied even no matter where you're at uh, on your job, okay? The excellence in attitude. So how important is attitude? Now, we said this last week, stay with me, that attitude determines altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. What we didn't do last week was define attitude, okay? The attitude is how you see a thing. Your attitude is simply how you see a thing. It is one's positioning of the mind towards a matter. It's how you see a thing. Someone said, here's an opposition and here's an opportunity. How do you see it? It's raining right now. It is raining right now. So am I going to look at the rain and be like, oh, Lord, here it goes again. It's raining. It's a bad opposition. No, maybe it's an opportunity to grow. You know, we talked in Psalms 23 this past uh, Tuesday night, which will be Thursday night soon. Uh, you know, when we talk about the valley, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Nobody wants to go through the valley, but wait a minute. Why do we not want to go through the valley? What is it about the valley we don't like? Well, you know, we don't like valley lows. Well, wait a minute. Uh, some of the best fruit is grown in where? The valley, right? Uh, we don't go to Napa Valley, but it's popular for a reason, okay? He's the lily where? In where? The valley. So we got to look at the perspectives of a thing. I don't have my glass in front of me, but if I had a glass, don't worry about it. You got to look at that glass as, as if it's half full and not half empty. So what is attitude? Attitude is how you see something. Let me give you another definition. It is a disposition reflecting the way a person thinks or deals with a matter. In other words, it is a way of thinking. And let me tell you right now, 99% is how you think about a thing. And that determines whether you get a raise or not, whether you get a promotion or not, whether you get a contract or not, whether you get clientele or not. 90% of what's going to happen for you is how you fit and how you think it. And maybe this is why the Bible says in Psalm 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How do you see a thing? We don't like bad news. But it's a part of life. How do you receive it? How do you process it? How do you think it? Right? That's so how important is the man's attitude? Let me just show you real quick how important attitude to, to this whole narrative is. Jesus had a whole lot to say about attitudes. In fact, one of his greatest messages, he preached while he was sitting down. We find it in Matthew 5. It's called the Beatitudes. He shows you how you should be with your attitudes under persecution with Roman revolt and, and opposition and people are dogging you and over taxation and under representation. Hey, don't worry about it. Be a peacemaker, right? He said, wait a minute, blessed 
are the pure in heart, but they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are when men talk evil of you and persecute you. He says, this is how your mind should be. When people lie on you on the job, when you're overlooked, when it seems like things aren't going your way, this is how you should respond. You've heard it time and time again. Life is not all about what happens, it's how you respond to what happens. Talking about the excellence and attitude, excellence and attitude. Some of you all were with us last Sunday. Let me just see a show of hands. How many of you all were with us this past Sunday? We talked about planted for his pleasure, planted for his pleasure. You all remember the message? Evaluating my attitude towards actions in God's house or evaluating my attitude and actions toward the house of God. Now, I won't read all of this. I had planned to read all of it, but for the sake of time, we looked at Psalm 84, remember? How, dwell, how lovely is your house, O God? How beautiful is your tabernacle? A bird has found the home. Oh, I'd rather be an usher in the house of God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. This psalmist, son of Kor, had this affinity. He was so, or she, he and she, they were so in love with the house of God. And I thought about that thing and said, you know what? What would happen if we fell in love again with the house of God? You know, like we did when we first got saved 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when we really, really felt God was in the house. So it's more than a red wall or a yellow wall or a purple wall. It's more than a steeple or stained glass windows or a cemetery out in the backyard or a funeral home fan with mama's picture on it. The church is the body of Christ. It is an assembly of people under the lordship of Jesus. And this son of Korah said, I just love being in the house of God. My attitude says we are imperfect people. We're in an imperfect place. We got probably an imperfect situation going on, but it's not going to derail my love for the people of God. Are you, you are with me so far. And so, and so that being said, we, we, we recognize the church as a place of worship and freedom of expression. We recognize the church as a place of authentic fellowship and families where we can be nurtured. But more importantly, the church is a place of God's power, of God's presence, and God's purpose. The psalmist said in Psalm 32, 7, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. See, there's something unique, unequivocal about the church. Talk to me. I don't want to preach my Super Bowl Outreach Sunday message yet. But the world turns to the church when life is on the fringe. Out of the billions of posts we all read these last seven days, the one that yet gets my attention again and again and again is the one that says it's amazing how everything stops. Everybody turns towards God in a time of crisis. Even the atheists is praying. The Muslims are praying. The people who got hangers with church hurt are praying. And let me just tell you again, we appreciate prayer. We love the vehicle and the practice of prayer, but make no mistake about it, it's still a God who lovingly and mercifully and graciously answers prayer. Why make that distinction? Why is that important? Because we don't want to teach this generation that God's healing is wrapped up in kicking heels and waiting a baton and, and manufacturing a mechanical practice. 
Because sometimes God may not choose to answer that prayer. And is our theology ready for that? It's a whole nother Thursday night message in itself. It's called the theology of suffering. What do we do if God doesn't heal the young man? Do we still pray or do we go back to our regular ways? Another message, another message, another message. And so we gave you three things last Sunday. Maybe you remember them, maybe you won't. But we said it, our actions and our attitudes should reflect in three things. Number one, come to church. Thank you all, by the way, for coming to church. Come to church. Let's not forsake the assembling of the saints, Hebrews 10, 25. And I know you're busy. Listen, I know you're making money. I know you're out there shaking hands and you got a whole lot going on. But don't forget the bedrock, the foundation. Don't forget that except the Lord build your house. If it had not been for God on your side, oh, how we easily need to be reminded when we take our eyes and our attitude away from God. Stop. Don't forsake the assembling of gathering together. Number two, be on time. Forgive me for being late today, but be on time. Number three, prepare your worship to God before time. That's what we closed out last Sunday. We talked about the giving of time, talent, and treasure. Those who are planted in the house of God, Psalm 92, 13, shall flourish in the course of our God. They shall still bear fruit in their old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. The promise we made to some of the older saints when we moved to North Lake is we wouldn't forget about you in this youth movement. We're not going to just put you out by yourself and just wait for you to retire slowly until the sun set. But I believe that the God that we serve, and I believe that the glory cloud in this season will cause you to be just as fresh and flourishing now than you've ever been before. I'm excited about the potential partnerships and opportunities that God will give the church fresh oil, fruitful results, and flourishing for a good while. So this morning, we stay in the vein of attitude, but now I want to take it to another level today. And it's the attitude of, of, of not only God's house, but what about the attitude of worship? The attitude of your sacrifice, the attitude towards uh, giving, the attitude towards working. And I want to identify a couple of devils this morning, a couple of enemies this morning, all right? I'm okay with the music if you all okay with the music, all right? I need to identify a couple of perils, dangers, enemies to the spirit of excellence when it comes to your attitude. Stay with me. I won't be long now. Stay with me. Because this really could determine whether you live a life of mediocrity, right, or you live a life of excellence. Because mediocrity inspires nobody. Average inspires. It doesn't tip the needle. It doesn't get anyone's attention. You will have lived. Someone said it this way. Someone said it this way. You will have lived all your life, and no one will have noticed anything. Do you understand? And I don't want to be in that group. I don't want to have lived all of my life and have not made a difference. So the attitude, the excellence of attitude can be a deal changer, right? First of all, let me deal with this. I want to use the word laziness for a moment. And I'm going to go here. In fact, y'all know I do my homework, right? So I just don't be throwing stuff. I'll be throwing it out, right? Uh, so I, I got a couple of articles that deal with how we think in the church. And then I got another article about this, what we call post-COVID fatigue, all right? So y'all hang in there. Uh, it's going to get tough for a moment. But uh, music. 
soothe your soul as the word goes in, all right? Now, that being said, um, huh, uh, idleness. The Bible has a lot to say about idleness. The Bible has a lot to say about apathy, laziness, and lethargy. Now, what I'm about to say, it sounds like it's Sunday only, but some of you all are suffering from this even on your jobs. And you're mad at God because it seems like everyone's being promoted but you. It seems like you are the most qualified, but it seems like everyone else gets exalted or promoted or elevated but you. It seems like every time you turn around, doors are opening for everyone around you but you. Could it be your attitude? I mean, you've got the degree. You've got the skill sets. You've got everything around. You've got all the tape series, all the CDs. You've been to all of the motivational speaker conferences. You've got all of the boxes and books in your closet. But why is it that it seems like you're just stuck? Could it be your attitude? Could it be that you have parked your car in the land of average and you refuse to put it in gear and understand what excellence is really all about? Now, this may not mean a big deal to you, but if you've been a part of City Church for any length of time, right, we built ministry on the spirit of excellence. And we're going to talk about that. And because we're in this environment, I, can, I couldn't find a better time than to use this as a visual of saying, this is who we may be today, but this is not who we're always going to be tomorrow, right? You can be in here today, but we won't always be here tomorrow. I wish I could have this conversation publicly that I had yesterday when I was here for a few moments. But I won't do that because it might look a little arrogant and it could look a little uh, ambiguous, but, uh, excuse me, ambitious. I'll leave that for another time. All I'm saying is this, despise not the days of small beginnings, okay? You can have a spirit of excellence and an attitude of excellence even in your formation days. Now, that being said, uh, let me deal with this. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Go to Hebrews chapter 6. I want to show you something. In fact, I'm going to read it out of the King James, but I want you to hear it out of a couple of the versions. Hebrews 6, you may not think, you may not think that the Bible has a lot to say about lethargy or, or idleness or laziness. Uh, parents, you, you, you're going to probably give a big offering today because I'm going to deal with some of the stuff we deal with when it deals with teens and, and, and young adult kids in this generation. I thought it would, well, okay, let me, okay, all right. So Hebrews 6 and 11, everybody okay? Everybody all right so far? Hebrews chapter 6. Nixon, good to see you back. I didn't recognize you was here today. No wonder you ain't called me from Liberia. You here. I've been wondering the last two days why you ain't called me. I said, man, it seems like you pick up the phone and call me one. Well, you ain't got to call me because you're back home. Welcome back, Geraldine and Nixon. And God bless the both of you, all right? He just got back from Monrovia, Liberia. I was going to ask him to go connect with somebody while he was there. He, he tried one time to call me and then didn't call no other time. Well, but I understand. It's all right. He's back. My, okay. God bless you, my friend. Good to have you back. Hey, guess what? Great doors are opening for you. Great, effectual doors are opening for you. 2023 will go down in the record books as one of the greatest years of your natural life. And I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing right now just for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Hebrews 6, 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Someone, everyone say diligence. Come on, say diligence. Now, see, somebody sat right there and said, I ain't saying nothing. Now, we had 90% of people said diligence, but it was the 10% that said, I'm too tired to say diligence. I'm a, I'm a grown man. You can't make me say nothing in this church. Who do you think you're talking to? All right, you stay right there. I got some for you in a few moments. Now, let's try one more time. And we desire that each one of you, not some, 
Each one of you show what? The same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish. Uh-huh. Yeah. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Now, some of us know that scripture through childhood Bible reading, right? Let me read it again in a couple of different versions. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. One more time. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith endurance. Let's, let's, let's just call it what it is. I'm gonna, let's call it spade a spade. Some of y'all look at people and wonder why every time they turn around, it seems like God's opening doors. They always rise to the top. They always get blessed. See, like the favor follows them everywhere they go. You got the same degree. You got the same background. You got this. You got that. What, God, what, what's up with this? Why they seem like every time you turn around, they get blessed and I'm done. Uh, the Bible says imitate their diligence. Imitate their, their, their perseverance. And, 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 and here's the, the, the line of demarcation. Notice how they refuse to become sluggish, lazy, spiritually dull. Now, we can look at it two ways. We can look at it from a natural point of view, or we can look at it spiritually. Notice how no matter what happens, they stay in the word of God. No matter what the environment is, they keep praying. Oh, it hurts. It's tough. They've been disappointed. They've been distracted. But they stay the regiment of prayer. They stay in the word. They stay in the fellowship. Oh, they got hurt. They got lied on. This dagger's still in their back. But they still show up for the sisters' meetings, right? My God, I tell you to read. Man, you, you, she got a bad report from the doctor. And, and, and I know she's got to be going through, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? She won't stop in the fast. She won't stop in the prayer meeting. Why? Look at their diligence. Now, look at your diligence. Look at your spiritual dullness. Somebody don't return a call, you won't pray for a whole week. We call it fast. You do it. The only thing fast you know is the jack-in-the-box fast and eat fast. Call a prayer. The only prayer you know is grace, praying over the food. Yeah. Uh, 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 the church said we're going left, you want to go right. Church said we're going right, you want to go left. Church said stand still, we ought to be going forward. All right, let's move forward. We should stand still and wait on God. Uh-huh. We're spiritually dull. We've gotten so to a point where we can't be taught anything. And we wonder why. I, I better keep reading. You, you need to understand it. And now, we, and then we, we become lazy. And I'm going to let you off the hook because I don't want you to feel bad as if it's all your fault. Because for the last several weeks, no, 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 I take that back. For the last several months, I'd been feeling some type of way, and I thought it was just me. I thought it was just me. I said, certainly... I can't be the only pastor feeling this way. And certainly, City Church is a great church. We got a whole bunch of energy, a lot of great workers, a lot of great people. We got a lot of mature relationships. Why is it that we're in this circle eight pattern and it seems like we're in the low? And then I begin to do some research and find out, Pastor Stephen, you ain't the only pastor feeling this. In fact, there was an article, and I, I wish I could read it, but it says your pastor cares when you don't care. And it's this big survey and this big study from Lifeway Christian Resources, and it basically just talks about all of these post-COVID emotions and statistics that many churches are struggling with since COVID. They said the number one pain point 
of pastors in America is the apathy of members. They just feel that whatever happened in COVID has had an ongoing, lingering effect. Right? Now, I'm going to stop right there because I pulled out another article. And this article is a medical article. It is a scientific article, a medical article, understanding post-COVID fatigue. Now, I'm not a doctor uh, in science, that is. I'm not a doctor medically, that is. I do have an earned doctorate degree in theology and ministry, but certainly not in medicine. But let me tell you what the Holy Ghost did for me. I read this and said, huh, interesting, because the same symptoms in the medical world I can apply to the spiritual world. So there is such a thing called post-COVID fatigue. It is a real common fatigue that has been identified in the medical world, and there are many symptoms. Persistent, tired, and sleepiness. I said, yeah, I see some like, in fact, there was a couple folks over in this section a few minutes ago. Uh, uh, mild to severe headaches. I know a couple of people who caught headaches in the church, that's true. Dizziness and nausea. I do feel nauseated when I talk to a couple of members every once in a while. Muscle and joint aches and weaknesses, delayed reflexes. Uh, take them all day to say amen in the church. Uh, impaired motor skills. Uh, uh, half the praise team singing this, and you got one who's out of joint because he messed up because of something that didn't happen. Okay. Uh, poor decision-making skills. I said, post-COVID, yeah, I can see some bad decisions being made here and there. Moodiness and irritability. Uh-huh. Uh, would you look down your row right where you're sitting there? Just, just don't even say that. Just look down the row. That's all you got to do. Just look. Sometimes the eyes tell it all, right? All right. Let's keep moving. Impaired hand and eye coordination. I say, yep, that's not like the church to me. We are the body of Christ. The hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. And we do have some impaired coordination in the body from time to time. What are the symptoms of the loss of appetite? Yep, that about sounds right to church to me. No spiritual appetite. No appetite for the word. No appetite for prayer. No appetite for witnessing no appetite for giving. Y'all still ain't saying nothing. So I believe there is a spiritual post-COVID fatigue yet lingering in the house of God. But don't worry about it. We're just not going to give you the symptom because they do give some potential areas that can help that situation. Fitness and exercise. We need to get back to the fitness of prayer and the exercise of faith. Uh, household chores. I wish you'd come. Uh, you don't have nothing to do. We got plenty of stuff here on Monday through Friday that you can do. Please just don't come up here to pray and talk with God. Would you talk to your coworker as you vacuum? Would you talk to God and your coworker as you wipe a window or take the paint off the wall? Uh, can't say nothing all right. Uh, there's some things you can do here. You can usher. Uh, you can do the parking lot. You can do some round sign. You can do this or you can do that or you can do some typing. You can do something. What other hell? Functional at work or school, I would add another that had a pen, and at church. Be functional in the church. It will help your post-COVID disease. Hello? Are you still on the line? Did I lose you? Yeah, are you still there? Are we going through a bad area? Sex and intimacy. Well, I don't know about that one. I better keep that one. Better leave that. Yeah. Mother, I may want to get. No, I can't. No, no, no. no, no. I'll tell you. No, no, don't do that. Uh, uh, recreation and travel. Let's take a travel around the biblical world and see what God has in store for his precious people in the word of God. Be shaken away from this spiritual fatigue of laziness and lethargy. The Bible says in Proverbs 6 and 10, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep and shows your poverty come upon you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Proverbs 10, 4, 
He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Are you still with me? I got about six, seven minutes left, but let me help you get out of poverty and get out of poor and lack. Once again, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Some things you can't blame the devil. Some things you can, you can fast and pray all you want. The truth of the matter is you're just lazy. You got a slack hand. And you've got this hand-me-down, do-something-for-me mentality when the person opposite of you says, I'm going to go out and meet my ship halfway and make it happen by the grace of God. Please stay with me because I'm trying to help somebody here. The hand, Proverbs 12, 24, of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Yeah. Now, see, when I was growing up, I said it last week, we always found ways to make money. In my generation, we made money on soda bottles. A little small bottle was 10 cent. The big two liter was 25 cent. And if you had a bottle cap, I think they add another nickel. We made money cutting grass. We made money with chores. We made money babysitting. We made money any way you could make money. But now you can't get five men to sweep out a phone booth to save their lives. I don't know if it's the PPP, the POO. I don't know if it was the stimulus package, the bailout plan. I don't know what happened to this generation, but whatever took place, nobody wants to work. Who would have thought you could make $20 an hour working at McDonald's? I wish I would have made $20 an hour when I worked at McDonald's. Every sign, when you go home today, look at all of the signs in a fast food restaurant. There's no more Big Mac and, 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 and quarter pounder with cheese. And it's all hiring. Thursday, open hiring day. I mean, think about it. Nobody wants to work. But yet we get home, swole up and mad that our bills aren't paid. And our needs ain't met. Then we want to blame God and say, you're supposed to be Jehovah Jireh, who supplies all my needs. And God will look at you saying, you both give your lazy behind and go get you a job. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, if a man doesn't work, he don't eat. Y'all don't like the way I'm preaching right now, but I'm telling you the truth. So let me go back retro city church, UCC full gospel day. Sister, if a man won't keep a job, he ought not be in the bed with you. If there is no excuse. I don't care what type of hair he has. I don't care the color of his eyes. I don't care how slim and how many six packs and double packs. All that stuff don't matter. If he is a lazy jerk and a bum at home who refuses to work, why you putting in 70 and 80 hours a week so you can bring some out back home to him? You talking about my something's wrong with that picture. All he want to do is be on TV on Friday night. What's that SmackDown Friday night? It's going to be a SmackDown, all right? You the one getting smacked down on Friday nights. I've never seen it before. I'm trying to help you out. I have, oh God, if I say too much, somebody else, what I'm talking about them. Nobody wants to work. And if they do, they want it on their terms. It don't work like that. The borrower is subject to the lender. You as a subordinate are subject to the superior. No matter the color of skin. The reality is this, you have been hired to do a job. You can't write your own job description and tell them when you're gonna come and go and when you're gonna get paid and you had enough, you're gonna, uh, it don't work like that. 
Oh, help me not get political. Help me not get political. Oh, they didn't come here for politics today. Let me get back in the word. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man in his bed. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hand. Now, we all need a power nap from time to time, but you can't have no four-hour nap every day of the week. Something wrong with that picture. You get up at, at, at 11 a.m. just in time for noonday prayer. You go back to sleep at 12 uh, for four hours, and, and, and then you're back in bed at 8, and, and you want to Netflix bins for the rest of the night. But have the nerve to wonder why you can't get your bills paid. The diligent soul, the Bible says, shall be made fat. Right, let me keep reading. I'm just giving you some words. This, this is scripture, so don't get mad at me. If you're going to get mad, you ain't get mad at the Bible. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Ecclesiastes 10, 18. Because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness, the hands of the house leaks. So now I got to go back home and ask myself, how, how long is it going to take for them filters to get changed? How long is it going to take for that grass to get cut? How long is it going to take to get that garage door painted? How long is it going to take to get that little small leak fixed? You got to go back home and start asking yourself, how long is it going to take for you to get them honeymoon, honeymoon duties done? Mm-hmm. Can I say this real quick? I know I sound like I'm being hard on the men, but I found out recently the spirit of laziness has no gender specific. There can be some lazy women out there, too. Don't want to do nothing. Nothing, period. All right, let me, let me, okay. All right, uh, let's see what Jesus had to say about laziness. But the Lord answered and said, Matthew 25, 26, you wicked and lazy servant. It wasn't enough for that man to be wicked, but Jesus had to throw in another adjective. You lazy person, you. You knew I reap where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10, for even when we were with you, I commended you this, for if you will not work, you shall not eat. One last Christian, I'll be finished. 1 Timothy 5, 13. And if they are on the list, they will learn to be lazy and they will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business and take talking about things that they shouldn't. Now, uh, I, I better say this and I'm on my last page. Now, Paul goes a little deeper and says, wait a minute, you can always equate the spirit of laziness with the spirit of gossiping. Because, see, people who work hard ain't got no time to be talking about nobody. Laziness, idleness, and too much talking goes hand in hand. In my house and in my life, I ain't got time to be talking to a lot of people all the time. Too busy. Don't have the time. Show me a person who all they do is talk and they got nothing to do but to talk. I'll show you a person who's lazy. Because the same amount of time you and the energy you put into talking, you could be putting that time in to working. You, you understand? For whatever reason, they found that connection. I need to close the message real quick, so let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. Because I want to talk about the excellence in attitude. The one thing you got to realize is this. Beware of the spirit of laziness, lethargy, because it always brings about lack. And you can't blame the devil. You can't say, oh, Satan's after me. And now, on top of that, let me just say this. You can't blame God. This one right here is choice-driven. You may have to go back and look at your own work ethics. How early did you get up in the morning? You can't get up 5, 6 in the morning and seek the Lord and have a plan, time of planning and preparation and get ready, and you stay up 2, 3 in the morning and watch TV. 
It doesn't work. Your body don't have no rest. Your mind is not rested. It doesn't work that way. You got to make some decisions. You got to, the Bible says, uh, Luke 14, Luke 14, yeah, I think it's, yeah, 14, 28. Uh, he who considers building a tower must first count the cost. What type of tower do you want to build? You want to build a financial castle, a financial tower, a, a legacy? It's going to take some sacrifices and some disciplines. Genesis 4 real quick, and I'll be finished. There are two people in Genesis 4 we need to look at real quick. One is Cain, one is Abel. Let's look at Cain first. Cain's the bad guy. Abel's the good guy. What do we know about Cain? Cain is the oldest of the two. I've often said before, it's always the older brother you need to be careful for. We saw it in the New Testament. Remember the prodigal son? Wasn't the prodigal son that was the hardest to reach. It was the older brother who stayed home. Older brother said, how, how dare you uh, bring this young boy back? He didn't even call him my brother. He said, this son of yours. He'd been out there with the pigs and uh, spending all this money and, and uh, uh, living a horrible lifestyle. And, 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 and how dare you show this mercy, Dad, to him? I've been here with you all this time. And see, sometimes that spirit equates to the church. Sometimes it's the older folk in the church who don't want to see young people come back to the house of God. And so dad is saying, look, I got the fatty calf. I got the, the roar, the ring and the roar and the roll. But, but son, you're going to be here. Don't worry about it. You're going to have yours. But in this case, it was Cain because Cain was the older one. Now, interesting, though, Cain's name means to get. It could have come from his mama, Eve, because when she said, I bore a son, she said, I have now bore a man. I got me a man. Is what she said when he was born. So his name means to get. It could be in his DNA that Cain was all about himself. All about self. Be careful now because we're talking about the attitude of worship. The attitude of excellence. So he's the oldest son of Adam and Eve. His name means to get. He was a farmer. Remember, he's a farmer. He gave his last and he gave his worst offering to the Lord. So when it got time for offering time, he brings the leftovers. Now, 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 there's this theological argument, Pastor Roy, since you're here, I might as well go and have this theological conversation with you. There are some who argue that it wasn't fair to Cain because Cain brought produce, right? He didn't bring a blood sacrifice. He didn't bring an animal, and God, Leviticus, required a blood sacrifice. So let's not be so hard on Cain. That's one argument that they have, but I'm not in that field. This field, I mean, is this. Whatever gift he brought to God, it wasn't the best. He wouldn't pay all of his bills first. He took care of Duke Energy, Piedmont Natural Gas, took care of the rent, went to the mall, went to Harris Teeter, got some lotto tickets. I knew somebody would wake up. And when he had done everything, he said, I might well take the rest of the church. And I'm going to show everybody how, 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 how glorious I am when I give. And it's, 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 it, it, it gives me this argument to say this. God... Is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of offerings. Because apparently, it is very clear, not only in Genesis, but it is also repeated in Hebrews, that God disrespected Cain and his offering. He gave his leftovers. He threw something at the altar and said, this ought to be good enough for you. Let's look at his brother on the opposite side. What do we know about Abel? His name means breath, vapor. It means breath of life. Instead of being a farmer, guys, give me, it's 1041, give, give me four more minutes, four more minutes, four more minutes. Instead of being a farmer or tiller of the ground, Abel, on the other hand, he's a farmer. He's a, he, he has livestock. So this, this, he's a shepherd. So it wasn't just lettuce, tomatoes, potatoes, and yams and spam and all that stuff. 
He's not in the whole goats, cows, uh, you know, animals. There's the sacrifice of blood. But it wasn't about the difference between lettuce and, 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 and goats. It wasn't the difference between tomatoes and a cow. He gave the best. He said, before I pay my bills, before I go to the mall, before I give me a nice suit, my first fruit, the Bible says first fruit, the first of my harvest, the first and the best of my meat. Have you ever been to a nice steakhouse? We ain't talking about the ribeye. We ain't talking about the, uh, we're talking about Chateaubriand. We're talking about uh, filet mignon. Uh, uh, you know what, that was nice. But no, we're talking about the Kobe Wagyu. You know the kind of steak where they don't put the price on the menu? And you got to ask? Hello? Y'all act like y'all don't go to no steakhouse. Now see, see how your attitude is? Stay with me now, stay with me. You know, you, you want to ask, so how much is that again? <laughs> and you hope, and, and then when they tell you, ah, you know what, baby, you, how, about we, how about we share a meal tonight? It's five of y'all sharing one steak. Hmm? And you know it's going to be expensive when it's by the ounce. So imported Japanese Wagyu steak, it, it could be $70, $80 an ounce. And, you know, the question I always get is, so you, you don't want but two ounces of steak tonight? They ain't going to be but so big. I say, yeah, but it's going to be the best two ounces of steak I had in my entire life. I can tell you that right now. So, so, so Abel gave the best of his meat, the best and the first of his livestock to God as an offering. And, and here's what we hear next. It was his attitude of excellence. And what does God say? I like this guy. And... I like his offering. It is an offering of excellence, and it is an offering that speaks of his attitude towards me. My time is up. I wish I could talk more about ex excellence. I've got a whole page, and you, I got a whole page of notes on nothing but excellence, 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 excellence. I could talk a whole much more about attitude. You say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't see attitude in the Bible that much. But Jesus said, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ. Or Paul said, let this mind be in you. That was also in Christ Jesus. The, king, uh, the, 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 the NIV says, don't look around for your own interests, but take the interests of others. Philippians 2. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think equality be the same thing to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took an humble position and being as a slave and he was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself into obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross because of his attitude. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. How should your attitudes be? It should be with excellence. When you give time to rehearsals, we're giving him our best songs. We're giving him our best voices. When we usher, when we greet, we can't be mean greeters. We can't have life in the way, and we had a horrible week. We fell out the ugly tree and hit every branch going down and didn't greet on Sunday mornings. That's not excellence. If we're going to do a program, do it with excellence. If we're going to do a building, perfect it. Excellence. It may not happen overnight, but keep doing it. If we're going to do media, it's got to be sharp. If you're going to work for Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Truist, 
You have to have a level of excellence. If not, you won't be there long. You know why? Because in the NFL, it's called next man up. Somebody is competing for your job. So why in the church can we have this average, mediocre, this will do spirit and stay in that same position for 45 years? What does that say about God? How can we serve God who is all great, awesome, excellence? And we want a nickel and dime on it and give him a little bit of our time on Sundays and feel like we're doing God a favor. We want to tip him. Maybe pay a little tax so we can constantly feel like we done did something for the Lord. That old spirit came out of the old system of thinking. And many of our parents and grandparents and great parents died before their time and privilege of living a life God wanted them to live. And so Cain, he became a murderer. He murdered his brother. And the Bible says in the New Testament, though Abel is dead, his blood still speaks. Though Abel is dead, his gift, his giving, his excellence, his attitude still speaks. I want every one of you to take this week and really rethink the attitude of excellence. And I know it's easy to do it as it relates to your promotion and your elevation and your raise and your business, your clientele, your job. Everybody wants the money. And that's not an easy, excuse me, that is an easy sale. But what, where it becomes difficult is, where is your spirit of ad attitude and excellence as it relates to God's house, to the worship of him? Something I keep hearing from almost everyone I talk to in this church. <laughs> I heard it last night. There is, there is something in the environment. There's something in the atmosphere. There's an excitement. There's an expectation. We may not even make it to Easter. We are on the brink of a phenomenal breakthrough. Make no mistake about it. There's going to be an attitude of humility, of grace, of honor, of excellence. The word excellence, stand to your feet, please. The word excellence, very interesting. Very interesting. The word excellence. There are two words you, you, you hear, X and L. X and L. The word L, Yahweh. Jehovah. L, God. X is out. X out. Let's put the two together. Excellence is bringing God out of everything you do. If you're going to write a book, do it with excellence. Bring God out of the book. If you're going to write a song, sing a song, make sure God is brought out so people can feel and see and sense him. Right? If you're going to paint a portrait, paint it so that God is brought up and out and people will see his glory in the portrait. Whatever you do, we do it to bring God up and out. Excellence. Excellence. Someone said this, excellence is never an accident. It is, a result, it is the result of high intention, sincere effort, intelligent direction, skillful execution, 
and the vision to see obstacles as opportunities. Excellence is doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. It is the gradual result of always striving to do better. Hmm. I don't often quote T.D. Jakes, but I got to quote this one. I like this statement. He said, excellence requires discomfort. You're going to be pressed to be better. You're going to be pushed to separate yourself from the average. But if you do these things, there'll be doors open. There'll be windows elevated. There'll be rooms that you'll be invited into so that God would get all of the glory and honor. One last quote, and I'm closing. Here's my last quote, and this one stood out more than anything else. Excellence, then, is not an act, but it's a habit. The will to win, the desire to succeed, the urge to reach your full potential. These are the keys that will unlock the door personal excellence. If you're in school, strive to be the best and do it with excellence. If you have a business, have the best business that your competitors will have to fold or move somewhere else. If you work for a company or corporation, be the best employee with excellence in everything. If you don't do nothing, go get coffee for the team. Get the best coffee, be on time and do a, have the biggest smile on your face you can have. God will honor you. And doors will open for you. In God's house, everything you do, do it unto the Lord. And he'll open doors that no man can open. When you give, when you sacrifice, when you sow, always give him your best. It will make a difference. We become sluggish. We become apathetic. And I say we, I'm talking about church worldwide, church nationwide. We have gone into this lull, and it is having an effect. You said it best. A 24-year-old man could fall dead on a football field and gather the attention of the world. And the world now sees the power of prayer. We've known this all our Christian lives. This is nothing new to us. You may go berserk and freak out, don't know what to do, but we'd have been here, done that. We know what it's like to go to a hospital, lay hands on a person who ain't breathing. I've gotten phone calls from parents who said, when can we plan the funeral? Well, we're not ready to concede just yet, brother so-and-so. Where's she at? We'll be there in an hour. We're going to pray. Girl living to this day, six years later. Be nice if old boy will come back one day and just tell the church thank you. Another family up in Cornelius. Very popular family. Son plays for the Cowboys. Nephew, I should say, plays for the Cowboys. Uncle Carl. Girl tried to commit suicide over a little spat with a little boyfriend in high school. Pastor Stephen, so-and-so rest of the house, I see you. 
I took pictures, tubes everywhere. Not going to live, ain't going to make it. I said, you know what? We got some church mothers that will plead the blood of Jesus. She's going to live, not die. Oh, but you don't understand. Doctors have already given up. It's not going to happen. I understand. But we've seen God work miracles before. I got the names and the pictures in my cell phone. Called the mothers, called the saints, begin to pray and believe God. That girl's living to this day. To this day, healthy. Got saved in the church, serving the Lord. This may be a crisis PR for the NFL and the world, but this ought not to be the news of the church. This is who we are, this is what we do. And when the church honors God with excellence, we will bring him out for the world to see. We're not playing second fiddle to nobody. And I ain't gonna go too deep in this conversation, but understand and read between the lines. We're not second class to nobody. We're gonna have the best children's church, teen church, New members, new converts, outreach, Easter production. We just getting started. We may be Johnny late to the scene, but last I checked, the first should be last, and the last should be first. I'm just trying to tell you. You may be sitting in the children's church today. I'm just trying to tell y'all. Keep on, see what happens. You may be in the children's sanctuary today. I'm just trying to tell you. The God that I serve. Let's pray, head, head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Come on, someone say excellence in attitude. Come on, somebody say excellence in attitude. Come on, lay your hands on your own head and say, Lord, touch my mind. Come on, lay your hands on your own head and say, Lord, touch my mind with the spirit of excellence. Touch my attitude that I would see things the way you see it. That I would see opposition as opportunities. Father, I thank you today for the mind of Christ. Thank you for minds of excellence. Thank you for your anointing. Come on, thank you for faith. Thank you for the fear of God. Thank you for wisdom in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for these, my brothers and sisters today, oh God. Father, would you so bless them on their jobs, separate them and promote them. Make them wonderful examples to be seen, living epistles read of all men. Thank you for those business owners, God, that you would so prosper. God, send them good employees, good partners and workers. You are the Lord of the harvest. And just like you do for the church, you'll do for these companies. So, Lord, I just thank you for Sister Stephanie's business. God, are just sending good laborers, men and women that will work unto you, that that will be the least of her concerns. I thank you for every entrepreneur, every business owner that needs employees, that, God, you're drawing them from the east, the west, the north, and the south. You are the Lord of the harvest. You already gave us the instructions to pray to the Lord of the harvest that you would send forth the laborers. Father, I thank you right now for favor on the lives of these, my brothers and sisters. I thank you in advance for opening doors that no man can open. And, Lord, I thank you, God, for the mind of Christ. Thank you for attitudes of excellence. I thank you, God, for men and women that will give liberally, give with generosity, give with excellence. God, that will be like Abel 
and we'll give you the first and the best. Father, you are no respecter of persons, but you are respecter of offerings. Would you look upon our time of giving and be approved, be pleased, be honored in the name of Jesus. For man looks at the outward, but you look at the heart. And so, Lord, I thank you for blessing the city church, North Lake. Thank you, oh God, for even today moving mightily among your people. Thank you for the glory cloud. Thank you for the Shekinah glory. Thank you for the former and the latter rain. And Father, we just commit these days unto you, this time of fasting, this time of prayer, as we transition from Tuesdays to Thursdays. Lord, let the glory cloud, may your presence, God, and your anointing, God, be so resident. Speak to the morning. Speak to the atmosphere that there'll be signs and wonders and healings and deliverances. I thank you even in advance, oh God, for breakthrough. Thank you for setting the captives free. Thank you, oh God, for promotion and elevation. Thank you for doing miracles in the midst of these, your people. In the name of Jesus, Father, we honor and exalt you. We elevate your name. We glorify you. May no flesh get any glory. No man, no woman, nobody get any praise. But unto you, oh God, be all the glory, all the honor, and all of the praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Attitude of excellence. Attitude of excellence. 